Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Amen. And I want to preach on the subject, motivated by mercy. Motivated by mercy. Let's praise Him one more time and you may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Motivated by mercy. Amen. I thank God in this passage, it talks about uh, God, uh, amen, will show judgment to the Gentiles and in, the, in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Amen. And a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jewish person. That means us. Praise God. I thank God that he reached out to everybody, including us. Amen. He's going to show us some great things. And in his name, the Gentiles are going to trust. Praise God. Now, God is the lawgiver and he is the judge of all. And in the Old Testament times, under the law of Moses, judgment was swift to them who transgress the laws of God. We read about it. It seemed pretty rough in those times. Amen. During the Ten Commandments. And as we transition into the New Testament from the Old Testament, it became a different story. We started you know, reading a different uh, attitude and outlook from God toward people. Amen. Why? The big reason was because God became one of us and walked among us. Amen. And that, that drastically changed God's viewpoint and his approach to dealing with mankind. Now, mercy and grace would be his greatest motivation. Praise God. John chapter 3, at verse 16, we know, we, we, we know that verse about God so loved the world that he gave. But the next two verses, amen, verse 17 said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So... When Jesus came, amen, he, the world was already condemned. The world was already in darkness. It was already full of wickedness and evil. That's why he came. He had to come to, to change that, uh, praise God. And today, it's still in that situation. 
Thank God we have the church. Thank God we've, we've got praying people and we got the word of God. But we're still seeing, amen, a condemnation in this world. We're still seeing people with fear as they see what's happening to this world. Now, we shouldn't have that kind of fear because we know in whom we have believed. And we are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we have committed to him against the day of his coming. So we should be the people of hope and not of fear. So the world was already condemned when he came. It was already in darkness. He came to bring hope and light and salvation. In fact, when you read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find the only things that, that Jesus condemned were religious hypocrisy holier-than-thou attitudes, those that judge others, and disrespecting and misusing the house of the Lord. Those are the only things. But when it came to people messed up in their lives, people even sin, this and that or whatever, amen, he had mercy, he had grace, he had compassion. He came not to condemn them, he came to show them the way and to save them. Because he was motivated by mercy. Amen. Jesus loved the unlovable. There were people that the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees, and the elders, they wouldn't even give the time of day to some of these people. They wouldn't even so much as talk to them, let alone uh, sit down and eat with them or anything. So Jesus came to show, some, show a different side of things. He came to love the unlovable. He reached out to those that society had shunned. He remembered the forgotten and had mercy on in them. Praise God. The poor had the gospel preached to them, and the common people heard him gladly. Hallelujah. He sat down to eat with publicans and sinners, which the religious leaders of that day condemned him for. But his response to them telling him about it, amen, shows his heart and motivation for doing so. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I am not come. I'm come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Praise God. Amen. Let me explain something. He said, they that are whole need not a physician. Amen. I come to call, didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. So what is he saying there? Is he saying there were some people that didn't need to be saved on this earth when he came? Nope. Is he saying there were some people that were whole and were righteous and he could just, uh, they were already ready to go. They didn't need to be born again. Oh, no. What he was saying was those people, those religious people, those people that had a, a different outlook and thought that they were okay and there was nothing wrong with them. They thought they were whole. They thought they had self-righteousness. He said, I didn't come to you because you don't want me. Amen. In fact, I know what you're going to do. You're going to crucify me because of what I'm telling everybody. Amen. But I came to those who know they're lost. I came to those who know they're condemned, who know they're in darkness, who need help to get out. I came on a mission motivated by mercy. And in Matthew's version of that story, Jesus also said, in Matthew 9, 13, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. 
For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me tell you something. Sacrifice is important. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice, amen, food on Tuesdays. Amen for fasting. We sacrifice this. We sacrifice that. Maybe we sacrifice some money to help some poor people or help somebody. And we could have had a few extra little nice things in our house or whatever. But we chose to sacrifice and give to this charity or that cause. Amen. That's important. That's good. Amen. But our sacrifice cannot take the place of mercy. He said, I will have mercy and not sack. So the, the, the Pharisees, they thought the sacrifices were more important than anything else. They thought as long as they got down, you know, and, you know, tithing, we know tithing is important. They got down to tithing their little herb gardens down to the place where they were, you know, cutting it and measuring and one tenth and all that kind of stuff. That's good. You want, you know, that's the Bible. Praise God. But then they, they thought as long as they did that, they could treat people in any, way, any way they wanted. But he said, no, no, sacrifice doesn't take the place of mercy. Amen. You need to sacrifice, but you got to show mercy because God is a merciful God. Amen. And his, he's motivated by mercy and he wants his church and his people to be motivated by mercy also. These religious leaders were living in the past and they did not recognize that God was doing a new thing. Amen. They thought they would be saved because of their knowledge of God. Amen. But Jesus said, Amen. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. In other words, you guys think just because of your knowledge of the, the word of God that that's going to save you. But he said, hey, the whole word of God points to me, Jesus, praise God. And so if you don't come to the conclusion that I'm the Messiah and you reject me, then you don't have that. They were living in a bad time. And they were, they were not getting up with the program. Jesus was about to do a new thing. He was motivated by mercy. Praise God. And then we come to the place every time Jesus publicly spoke, wherever he was, these religious leaders, because they were jealous and envious, and they saw that their followings were, uh, were you know, declining as Jesus' followings were increasing. And they would send spies, and they would send people to try to trip him up in his words and do things so that he was caught between a, hard, a rock and a hard place. And any, anything he would do, it would be condemned, and he, they could, he could be discredited. And one of those times was when he was just out in the street teaching or whatever, talking to some people, and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and put her right there and said, Hey, Moses said someone that does this ought to be stoned with rocks. What do you say? Ooh, we got him now. We got him now. Because if he says no, then he's transgressing the law. If he says Yes, then he's not the merciful God he said he was. So, you know, they got him. They, they got him. They thought they had him. Amen. But all he did was stoop down and wrote in the sand, wrote in the dirt of the road. And nobody knows what he wrote. Maybe when we get up to heaven, one of the things we can say, hey, Lord, can I need to pull you aside. I'm really dying to know what you wrote. But, you know, that's one of the many questions I have in the Bible. Praise God. Uh, you know, like what kind of fruit did they pull off the tree in Adam and Eve's garden? Uh, you know, everybody says it's an apple, but, you know, I want to know what kind of fruit it was. You know, was it a persimmon or what was it? You know, a peach? Amen. It's something. Praise God. We don't know. There's a lot of questions. But he wrote something in the sand. 
And then he got up, he looked around, and all these people had rocks in their hands. Because if he said, you ought to rock, throw rocks like Moses said, they were going to do it right then. Amen. And then he said, all of you, any of you right here, everybody, anybody that has sin, you guys be, you know, if you're without sin, you can be the first to cast a stone. In other words, hey, any sinless people here with rocks in your hands, you, you, you can throw the stone. And then, you know, they started thinking and they started dropping the rocks from the older people down to the younger people. And they started, you know, walking away one at a time until it was just him and the woman left. Amen. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself, because after he said that, he went down and was writing in the sand again. And then he, he got up and he saw no one but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Amen. And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Praise God. That is mercy. That is mercy. You see, the Bible said we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Who are we to condemn another? Who are we to judge another? Romans 2 verse 1 said, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatsoever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you, you who judge practice the same things. Amen. That person does something wrong and then we condemn them and we go over here and sometimes we do the same thing another day or something else. This is bad because you know what? Sin is sin and wrong is wrong. And there's really no categories really. We put the categories but God says it's all sin. Amen. And it needs to be under the blood of Jesus. Praise God. So if we don't want to be condemned, we should not condemn others. But because he was sinless, Jesus was the only one qualified to condemn this lady. He was the only one justified to throw a rock at her. But he did not do it. He did not condemn her. He forgave her and encouraged her to go and be a better person. Amen. And that's what we're supposed to do, folks. Hey, we're not supposed to be on, a, on the, a ministry of condemnation, but we're supposed to be on a, a motivated mission of mercy. And we're supposed to say, go and sin no more. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Jesus loves you. Amen. He wants to save your soul. Praise God. This is yet another example that Jesus left us so we would know the proper way to treat people. We need to look at people through the eyes of God's love, God's compassion, and God's mercy. And when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because he, they were like sheep with no shepherd. And if we will look at people like Jesus did, even our enemies will look different to us. Praise God. Instead of anger, instead of wanting to get retribution on them, amen, we will feel sadness for them. We will feel pity for them because we know what the end is of people, amen, that act like that. We should, have, we should be praying, God, save their soul. Amen. Praise God. We got to understand that God is not sitting on the judgment seat. Thank you. It's not sitting on the judgment seat right now. He's sitting on the mercy seat. Amen. I don't read about the, him sitting on the white throne judgment until the book of Revelation chapter 20. He's not on that seat yet. 
he'll be on there, and then it's all going to hit, you know, and it's all going to be a rough time right there. Amen. But now is not the time. He's not on the judgment seat. He's on the mercy seat. So his church needs to be on the mercy seat with him. Hallelujah. Every believer needs to be on the mercy seat. Praise God. John chapter 12, verse 47. Jesus said, if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. Look at that. I'm not judging him. You hear my words, you don't believe, I don't judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Some stuff we got to let go like a water off a duck's back. Some stuff we just got to just, you know, hey, they might be saying it to me, but they mean it for God. Whatever. I'm not going to take it personal. I'm on a mission of mercy. I, I got to just go after him for the Lord's sake. Praise God. But he did say, he who rejects me and does not receive my words... He has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Everybody say the last day. The last day day is when the judgment takes place. When we die or when when we fly and it's all said and done and we stand before God, the word which he has spoken will judge us. The Bible will judge us. But that's not right now, praise God. The Bible's not, amen, we're not gonna sit in a judgment right now, amen, this moment, uh, as far as uh, no mercy and no grace, God has given us mercy. The Bible is still our judge, and we still need to live according to it. But until someone lives and takes their last breath, they still got time to get it right, because judgment is not yet. They are going to be, amen, have some grace and some mercy. He did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. We are currently living in the time of the mercy and grace of God. And do you know what? Amen. There's one word. Amen. A one word definition of the grace of God that I want to just show right now. And that word is space. Space. He gives us some space. That's what grace and mercy is. People, you, you wonder why, how come... How come people seem like they're getting away with this and getting away with that? Because God's given people space. Some people are going to hang themselves on their own space. Some people are not going to get it right, and they're going to face God. It's going to be a sad situation. Amen. But you know what? Nobody is going to stand before God and say, You didn't give me chance. You didn't give me space. You didn't give me some time to get my life right. Oh, no. He's given them lots of time. There's been 2,000 years and counting of space to get it right. This just shows you God's mercy. Ezra chapter 9, verse 8. And now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Amen. He's given us a little space and grace has been given. 
Grace is space to get things right with God in your life. Space to make peace with your maker. Space to repent. Space to be born again. Space to get to know Jesus better. Amen. And since God gives us grace and space to get things right, we ought to do the same for others. Sometimes we don't give people enough space. Sometimes we write them off too soon. God, help us to have patience and love and a mercy that you have to continue on believing for people to change and be what God wants them to be. Amen. Praise God. He said his word would be the judge at the last day and everyone will stand before God when it's all said and done and they will be judged accordingly. And so we should not judge until it's all said and done either because God is still giving everybody space to get it right. Amen. And praise God. James chapter 2, verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Praise God. If we show no mercy, we're not going to get it. So that sowing and reaping principle, it's all over the place. Amen. It, it, it factors into all kinds of things, including mercy. Amen. But when we show mercy, we'll get mercy because mercy uh, triumphs, mercy glories, mercy rejoices, mercy is victorious over judgment. Right now it is for sure because we are still in the space of grace. And mercy is the motivation. Jesus told us what his mission was in one verse in Luke chapter 4. He went into a synagogue and he opened the, the Bible to the book of Isaiah and he read a verse of scripture and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He quoted it and it's, it's, it's talked about in Luke. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke 4, 18, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Amen. There's a lot of bruised people out there right now. And they already feel condemned and they already feel bad. Uh, we need to have mercy. Even if they talk bad and even if they say some bad things and mean things to us or whatever. We, we, you know, sometimes we got to just pray for them. Sometimes we'll talk to them, put them on the burner, like I said, Thursday night. But whatever we do, we got to continue extending mercy like God did. Amen. Praise God, because God came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and set them free from prisons of bondage and, and to let people see that we're blind spiritually and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Our text verse was a fulfillment of a prophetic scripture from the book of Isaiah, verse 42. And verse 20 is what I want to focus on in our text. Amen. Because it tells us beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was motivated by mercy in his earthly ministry than by anything else. Amen. And of course, you can't have mercy without love. Amen. And that's why we got to have the love of God. But Matthew 12, 20 said, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. 
You see, he's not in the business of breaking off bruised reeds right now. He's not going around, amen, and extinguishing smoking flax right now. Amen. He's not going to do it. He's not going to judge and do things like that until, amen, he sends forth judgment. That's at the last day. You know, reeds, they're plants that grow in wetlands and they're common on the banks of rivers and lakes. They are susceptible to bruising and strong winds or when large animals travel through them on their way to drink and, and so forth. And once a reed is bruised, it stoops over. It can't stand strong and st it's straight anymore. And it seems to lose its appeal and its beauty and its value. But Jesus looks at bruised reeds much differently than everybody else. He doesn't think they're worthless or useless. useless. He, he, he doesn't think they should be broken off and thrown away. He will not break. He will not condemn a bruised reed. He wants to work with it. He wants to nurture it back to health. And he wants to restore it to whole again. Praise God. And smoking flax, he will not quench. In Bible times, strands of fiber from the flax plant were twisted together and commonly used as wicks and oil lamps. And when a candle or a lamp is first blown out, we see that the wick still has an orange glow, especially in the, in the, if it's in the dark room, you see the orange glow and the little smoke coming from that wick. Amen. As it starts to smoke and smolder. And there are three things you can do with that wick in that condition. Praise God. You, you can just let it go down on its own. It will eventually die and grow cold. Or you can lick your fingers and go and quickly put it out. Amen. Or you can rekindle the fire and you can bring it back to life again. Praise God. But he said a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Amen. God is in the business of rekindling the fire. Of making it fire up again. Praise God. Amen. God's all about firing us up. He wants us full of fire. Amen. On fire for God. God was a pillar of fire by night for the children of Israel in the wilderness. We see, you read in the Old Testament when they had the tabernacle and all the children of Israel camped around about that tabernacle and over the Holy of Holies on the backside of that tabernacle. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night so they can, anybody can open their tent flap and look and say, God is still in the midst of us. God is still in the middle of us. We see the fire of God. It's warming our hearts and it's warming our souls. And it's comforting. It was like a big nightlight. Don't you like the nightlights? They're comforting. You walk around the house. And the main thing for me is I don't kill myself. Amen. Stumping over this. And who moved that chair when I wasn't looking? And, you know, I was memorizing the floor plan. And now somebody moved that. And I just killed myself. Going to feed the dog in the middle of the night or whatever. Praise God. I'm telling you. But nightlights are they're comforting because they give you a little you know, pathway and, and you know, kind of help you see. Praise God. Amen. It's his desire to light up our life and fire us up with his spirit. Jesus wants to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And that's why, amen, right after 
Praise God. Jesus ascended up into heaven. He told them to go wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, until you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which he called the promise of the Father. Amen. Don't go anywhere until you get that. And then the seven to ten days later, as they were in the upper room praying and worshiping and singing songs and waiting on God, and the Bible said in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mushroom riding a Russian mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared under them clothing tongues as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as a spirit Gave them utterance, a rushing mighty wind. You know what? You know what you need, amen, to stoke the flames of fire? A nice wind. That's what they don't want when the, when the hillsides are on fire. They want calm, amen, because winds are not good for fire control, amen. But in the Holy Ghost, we need the wind, amen, to stoke the flames of our fire. Let's all stand. The bruised reed and the smoking flax are symbolic of people that need mercy, grace, healing, salvation. They don't all want it right now, and some of them will never want it, but that's not up to us. It's up to us to pray and ask God to help us with our own mercy and grace in our heart toward everybody. Some people, yeah, we don't talk to them anymore because they, they don't want to listen. So we, pray, we still pray for them and ask God to have mercy on them. And then we pray, God, lead us to somebody that's hungry that will want to listen. Amen. But let's pray because there's space. Praise God. It's our job to be motivated by mercy in our dealings with people so we can see as many people as possible saved. So in your everyday life, even when people are very irritating, amen. Just keep it nice, very irritating. That's all it would be in the house of God. We're Christians, so it's got to be nice. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When people are very irritating, we got to say, Lord, they were, they were irritating to you. They were trying to sink you. They were trying to trick you. They, they, they went out and tried to plan to destroy you. And, and eventually they crucified you, which I know was in your plan, Lord. But, but uh, that had to be rough. Betrayed by one of his own twelve. Amen. He had to call Peter, Satan, get behind me. When Peter said, no, no, you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to go die. Because yes, I am. That's my mission. I got a mission of mercy to show all of you guys how to be merciful because after I leave I'm coming back in the spirit of God I'm going to live in your hearts and I want you through that love amen that I give you shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost given unto you amen to let mercy and grace go ahead of you amen and let it be your cheapest motivation and not other emotions that try to keep us back from helping others thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Motivated by mercy. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.